So good morning, everybody. Welcome to Epic. So glad to have you. I'm grateful for those of you who are gathered together here, as well as those who are joining us online. And if you're joining us online, I hope that one day soon uh, you'll be in a spot where you're comfortable to come back and join us here. So how was everybody's week? It was okay? You kind of get used to wearing a mask? Not really? No. Well, hopefully, you know, we'll be able to get beyond that real soon. But again, I'm grateful that you're here. There's nothing like interacting with people personally. So if you are new with us, we are in part two of our study of the book of Philippians. And the book of Philippians is actually a letter that is recorded in the New Testament part of the Bible. It was written by a guy by the name of Paul. And if you don't know anything about Paul, he's got this amazing story. His name used to be Saul, and he hated Christ and anybody who followed Jesus. And then he met Jesus personally. He was transformed by Jesus. His name later was changed to Paul. And there's probably no one outside of Christ that's been used to radically transform the world with the message of Christianity than the Apostle Paul. And so he's the guy that we're learning from. And we're learning from this letter that he wrote to a church that he and a friend named Silas started in the northern part of Greece in the little city called Philippi. So it was on his second missionary journey where he was going around to tell people about Jesus and start New Testament churches. And he started this church there. He met this woman named Lydia, who was a prominent business owner in that community. He led her to Jesus, led her household to Jesus, started leading other people to Jesus, and then left there after he started that church. And so we've got this New Testament church that's so grateful for Paul. And then what they hear about Paul is that he was arrested for telling people about Jesus. And then Paul writes them a letter, a letter of encouragement. And so that's the letter that we're reading today. So what I want you to do with me as we walk through this is we do this each week is I want you to pretend that we're the church of Philippi. Okay. So if you can imagine that we are the only church in the Southern Eastern part of the United States, Like, imagine that. That would be hard for us to grasp, but that's what it would have been like for this church of Philippi. They were the only church in that region, that part of the world. And so when they're going to get a letter from Paul, they're excited to get this letter and hear what he has to say for them. So let's put ourselves in their spot as we're learning from Paul today. Let me remind you of a few things that we learned last week. So we've learned this. We learned that It was God who began the good work within us, and he will finish that work. So Paul says, listen, Church of Philippi, remember, God began the work in you. God didn't wait for you to become good enough for him to pursue you. God didn't wait for you to follow all the right religious rules to get on his radar. No, he pursued you first. So if you've ever felt like, you know what, I just don't know that I'm good enough for God to love me. I don't, I'm not religious enough. I don't know enough about the Bible. I don't go to church enough uh, for God to really care about me. That's not true. God loves you. He's got a, a wonderful plan for your life. And guess what? He's pursuing you first. And here's the thing about God is he does not have a problem finishing projects. Anybody have a problem finishing projects? Um, my wife and I are working on some home projects and I was working really hard yesterday to get some of those done and uh, I had to leave them unfinished. Here's the cool thing about God is he has no unfinished projects, none. 
What he starts, he finishes. So when God starts a work in you, he will finish that work. And you may be in a spot sometimes where I'm in that spot where I'm like, God, you got a lot of work to do because I'm not like Jesus today. And in those moments, I need to remind myself, we need to remind ourselves, it's God who began the work. It's God who's going to finish the work. So we need to let God work in our lives. Another thing that we learned is this, and this was probably the biggest thing that we learned from last week. Our current circumstances aren't as important as our response to those circumstances. So what we're going through in the moment is not as important as how we respond to what we're going through. And we watched last week what Paul went through. Paul went through all kinds of horrible things. Paul was whipped and beaten and stoned and shipwrecked and unjustly arrested. And Paul, at the end of all that, he said, you know what? All this stuff has been really good. It's been a good thing. And we hear that and go like, Paul, what are you smoking? Like, that's craziness. How could you say that? He said, I can say it because more people have heard about Jesus and other Christ followers have grown confident in their faith in Jesus because of Paul's response. So we always need to remember our response is more important than the circumstances that we're going through. Then in verse 21, Paul said, living means living for Christ. And we learned this, to live for Christ, we must learn to live with Christ. If we're really gonna live for Christ, we gotta learn to live with him every moment of every day. We've got to practice what I encouraged you to practice last week, the with God life, imagining that God is with you in everything that you face. There is not a challenge that you can face that God's not there. There's not a temptation that's too great that God's not there to help you through it. God is with you if you're a Christ follower in every moment, in every situation. And we need to practice that. That's a reality of scripture. We have to understand that and live that out on a regular basis. So for me, when I am very aware of God's presence in my life, things tend to go better. At least I respond better to whatever's happening in my life. In those moments where I'm forgetful that, you know what, God's right here, things don't go real well for me because I don't respond, I tend to react. So we've, we've got to stay focused on the reality that God is with us always. And then another thing we learned last week is this. This life isn't all there is. Anybody excited about that statement? Like, I am so excited that there is more. There is so much more beyond this life, beyond what we experience here. And it's called heaven for those who are Christ followers. And so Paul says, listen, the, the reason I'm able to say I'm not so worried about my circumstances is because I know there's more. There's more for all of eternity. And that's where Paul said, listen, to live is Christ, to die is gain. So if I live, I'm going to focus on living with Christ. If I die, that's even better because I get to go be with Jesus forever. So whatever you're facing right now, whatever you're going through, that difficult situation, that challenge, that temptation, it won't last forever. One day, one day soon, it'll be over and you'll get to experience the more that Paul's talking about if you are a follower of Jesus. 
So that's some of what we've learned so far. And if you missed last week's message, I really encourage you to go to our website, go to our YouTube channel, go to our Facebook page, and go to our iTunes account. You can listen to our messages. They're all archived there. That's a great way to kind of stay up with what we're doing on Sundays. But today, we're going to pick back up chapter 1, verse 27. Before we get into that, let me explain a few things about today's message. So today's message is primarily for those who are Christ followers. So if you're a Christ follower, I encourage you to pay attention to what we're supposed to be wrestling with out of what Paul is going to be teaching us. If you are not a Christ follower, I encourage you to pay attention to what those Christ follower friends that you have should be wrestling with as we learn from the Apostle Paul. Also, I want you to know that some of the things that we're going to learn today come very close to some of the social issues that we are wrestling with in our nation. And because of that, it could be very easy for some people to hear what I'm saying and then say, oh, I know where you're going with this and subconsciously fill in the blanks of where you think I'm going. I encourage you not to do that. I know that's going to be hard, but I encourage you not to do that today. Others of you might get to the end of our message and say, I'm not really sure what you're saying. What are you saying? And let me just say, like I say to my wife, sometimes that's really okay. Because sometimes my wife says to me, I'm not really sure what you're saying. You're just speaking man talk. Sounds like gibberish. So today, it might be possible for you to go like, it seems like this message is unfinished. And let me tell you, it is. This is part one of two parts in this series. So we're in a series, but we're going to have a smaller series between today and next week. So today, I'm going to start a conversation. Next week, we're going to try to finish that conversation. And what I want us to do is I want us to wrestle with some things. We need space to just wrestle and turn to God as we wrestle. This week, I'm going to try to create that space for you. So here's what I ask you to do. Today, I ask you to listen and don't assume. I know it's hard. It's very hard for me to do that. Listen to the message don't assume you know where I'm going. Don't uh, put this in your own worldview perspective and think you know how this message is going to end. Just listen. Here's what I want you to ask God at the end of this message. Two big questions. God, what do you want me to do with this message? And God, how do you want me to apply this message to my life? God, what do, what, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to apply it? So that's what we're going to wrestle with at the end of today's message. There are some great applications from today's message, and I think they could be different for different people. The really cool thing is that God is the master of taking one message and translating it into hundreds of different hearts and making it applicable to each of us uniquely. So I think that's going to happen today and this week as we wrestle with what Paul's saying to us. So anybody super excited to hear the message today? Yes. All right. I'm glad you are. I'm excited to hear it too. So let's pray. God, thanks for this morning and the opportunity that we have to come together to hear from you. God, we don't want to assume anything. We just want to hear from you. So God, I pray that you would speak powerfully today. If there's something you don't want me to say, close my mouth. 
Something you do want me to say? Lord, open my mouth. I give you the platform. Speak through my voice to all of our hearts, to all of our ears. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. In verse 27 of Philippians chapter one, the apostle Paul says this. He says, above all, as in, one of the most important things that you can do is this. One of the most important things you can do is you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Now, even though we are pretending to be the church of Philippi, most of us here are Americans. And uh, we understand that America was built on rights. We also understand at the same time that not every American is experiencing those rights at the same level. So we know there's a tension going on in our world right now with what it means to be an American citizen. Now, the interesting thing about the Church of Philippi is their community was built on rights. They were a Roman community. Even though they weren't all that close to Rome, they were a Roman colony. And as a Roman colony, that assured them certain rights that every citizen in Rome would have. And many of the Philippians would be very proud of their Roman citizenship, just like many of us are proud of our American citizenship. But Paul says the craziest thing to them. So listen to this. Paul says basically this. Your responsibilities as citizens of heaven are more important than your rights as citizens of Rome. So let me say that again. Your responsibilities as citizens of heaven are more important than your rights as citizens of Rome. Now, here's where I wonder if somebody in that church that's listening to this letter being written might have stood up and said, like, wait a minute, time out. What's Paul saying? Is Paul suggesting there's something, anything more important than our rights as Roman citizens? Like, come on, Paul. We're Roman citizens. There are certain things that, that cannot be done to us. There are certain things we are assured that will be done for us. And I think if somebody would have stood up in the, in the context of that meeting and asked that question, I think somebody else probably would have said, like, Paul knows that because even though Paul's Jewish, he was a Roman citizen as well. So at this point in reading the letter, if they have this dialogue, I wonder if somebody else said, like, hey, don't you remember when Paul modeled this for us? Don't you remember when he came and started our church, how he modeled the thing that he's asking us to do, the thing that he's saying that our responsibilities as Christ followers are more important than our rights as Romans? Don't you remember that? Well, I want to explain what that looked like for Paul when he came to Philippi. It's recorded in Acts chapter 16, and I'm not going to read it to you today. So you can read it later today. I strongly encourage that. I'm just going to basically summarize this for you. 
So when Paul and his friend Silas were on their second missionary journey, they stopped in this city called Philippi and they started leading people to Jesus. They first led Lydia to Jesus, who was a prominent business owner. They led her household, her family. Um, They led other people to Jesus. And there was a New Testament church started in that community, a Gentile community. And uh, then something else happened and, and Paul and Silas actually made the leaders of that community very upset, made some business owners very upset. And it was a good thing that they did, but something that was received as a bad thing. So what they did, what Paul specifically did, was he freed a young woman from slavery to a demon. So there was a young slave in that community who was demon-possessed. And not only did she experience slavery to the demonic influence that was in her life, but she was actually owned by some business owners. So she was a slave in that context. And they were getting rich off of her because she was a fortune teller. So she would go around and because of the influence of the demon, she would tell people their fortunes and they would pay her money, which she obviously gave to her owners. And she would follow Paul and Silas around the community and say loudly with her megaphone voice at that time, this is Paul and Silas. They are men of God. They are here to tell you about how to have a relationship with Jesus that lasts forever. So you would think Paul would be excited about having her as a you know, marketing strategist and help you know, publicizing what they're doing in the community. And uh, maybe he thought that was great at first, but then later he got tired of it. He turns around one day and he casts the demon out. Says, demon, be gone. So this woman experiences freedom, maybe for the first time in a very long time in her life. You would think people would be happy, but the business leaders were not because That meant their job was gone. Their income was gone. Their fortunes were gone. So they grab Silas and Paul. They take Silas and Paul to the city leaders. And the city leaders get furious. They have Paul and Silas stripped, beaten, and thrown in prison. So imagine if you and I are in that spot. Okay, imagine if if we're Paul and Silas and we do this really good thing. And then this really bad thing happens to us because of that. You know, like we're sitting in prison. What are we doing? I mean, we're pulling out our our cell phones. We're calling our lawyers. We're trying to look up a lawyer. You know, we're looking for a cup to to bang on the bars. That's some of the stuff that we would be doing in that moment. But as we learned last week, Paul knew that his current circumstances were not as important as how he responded to those circumstances. That was Paul's focus in everything he did. So what did Paul and Silas do in prison? They had a worship service. They started singing. They started praising their God. And this was late. It was like when all prisoners should be asleep. And they're they're keeping everybody up. Yeah, it was at midnight. So they're keeping everybody up. They're singing, praising God, having a great old time. Who else is listening? All the other prisoners are listening. Who else is listening? The jailer's listening. He's heard all this. He's heard why they're there. The jailer then later goes uh, back home, goes to bed. And then as the worship service is happening, a supernatural earthquake happens. All the prison doors open. All the chains fall off of the prisoners. And the jailer hears 
a ruckus over at the jail and comes rushing over to see what's happening. He sees all the prison doors open and what does he assume? They escaped. They're gone. If you're a prisoner and the doors open and your chains fall off, what are you going to do? I'm running out. So he draws his sword thinking all of my prisoners have escaped. That means I have to report to the officials what happened. They will blame it on me. I will die. He draws his sword to kill himself. Paul goes, wait, 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 wait. We're all here. Nobody's left. We're just having church. And this jailer who's heard Paul's message falls trembling at Paul's feet. And he says, what must I do to be saved? Paul says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And that night, the jailer and his family all put their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They invited Paul and Silas, and I don't know if they invited the other prisoners as well, but they invited him for a dinner. They had a dinner at their house and got to talk about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And it goes back to Paul's perspective and what Paul knew. Paul knew that his current circumstances were not as important as how he responded to the circumstances. Now, here's where this story gets even more interesting. The next morning, the city leaders send a message to the jailer to let Paul and Silas go free. But Paul responds in Acts 16, verse 37. He says, they have publicly beaten us without a trial and put us in prison, and we are Roman citizens. So now they want us to leave secretly? Certainly not. Let them come themselves to release us. So can you imagine what the city leaders are thinking and trying to decide to do when they get this information? Because they had just violated the rights of a Roman citizen, which meant they could face severe consequences for that. So they rush to the jail, they beg them for forgiveness, and they beg them to leave. Now here's the interesting thing. Paul and Silas could have easily claimed their rights as Roman citizens the moment they were arrested. The moment they were arrested, they could have pulled out their Roman citizen card and said, we are Roman citizens. You cannot do this to us. We have to have a fair trial before you touch us. They could have done that, but they did not. Why? I think, again, they understood that their current situation was not as important as how they responded to it. They also knew that their responsibilities as Christ followers were more important than their rights in that moment. And when they lifted up their responsibilities above their rights, a New Testament church was started in that community. People found eternal life in Jesus Christ. Now, I don't think that the Apostle Paul is telling us to throw our rights away. I don't think he's saying that. Paul claimed his rights in this moment, in this context. Two years later, when Paul was arrested again, he claimed his rights as a Roman citizen. He was being put on trial, and he pulled out his, uh, I'm a Roman citizen card. And he said, I claim the rights of a Roman citizen, and I want my trial to be before Caesar in Rome. That's what led him to Rome, where he wrote several more of his letters. And where he was able to say, everything that's happened to me has been a good thing. Because 
more people have heard about Jesus and people have grown in their confidence in Christ because of my faith. So I don't think Paul would tell us to throw our rights away. I think Paul would tell us to leverage our rights to fulfill our Christian responsibilities. In verse 27, again, Paul describes our Christian responsibilities. He says this. He says, live as citizens of heaven. If you are a Christ follower, I need to remind you this morning that this is not your home. This isn't your home. You're on mission here. You have a task. You have a mission to complete, but your home is somewhere else. That's why Paul says, live as citizens of heaven and conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. So the big question for us today as Christ followers is, are we conducting ourselves in a manner worthy of the good news of Jesus Christ? In every difficult situation that we face, with everything that's happening in our nation right now, are we faithfully fulfilling our Christian responsibilities and leveraging our rights as Americans so more people can meet Jesus? That's a big question. It's a question that we need to chew on this week. You know, that's the only thing that matters for eternity is whether someone puts their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's the only thing that matters. Some of the other conversations we get involved in, for eternity, they don't matter. As Christ followers, we need to focus on the stuff that matters. Now, here's where some of you may be wondering, Trent, what are you saying? Because I have rights. I know you have rights. But remember, if you're a Christ follower, you are supposed to fulfill your Christian responsibilities above your rights. And I know that creates a tension. I know that's hard for us to swallow sometimes. But again, like I said at the beginning of today's message, today's message has different applications for different people. So the big questions that we need to wrestle with are these. Number one, God, what do you want me to do with this message? God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to apply this in my life today? Here's some other questions that might help us answer those two questions. God, how do you want me to leverage my American rights to fulfill my Christian responsibilities? It's a big question. Here's another one. God, am I conducting my life in a manner that's worthy of the good news of Jesus Christ? It's another big question. And here's the last one. God, am I responding to every situation in a way that helps more people meet Jesus and be transformed by him? I think those questions can help us answer the two big questions. God, what do you want me to do? And how do you want me to apply this to my life? Now, we are at the end of today's message. And I know for some of you, you are feeling undone. Uh, If you are feeling undone, I invite you back next week. Because next week, 
we're going to look at one of the most challenging passages of scripture to read and apply to our lives. So if you're a Christ follower, I invite you to come back. I invite you to invite every Christ follower you know to come join us for next week. I invite you to invite every Christ, people that aren't Christ followers to come and join us for this. Because we're going to dig into something that's really deep next week. And I encourage you to, to be here for that. Now, as we close today, we're going to close with uh, the song that we closed with last week. So it's a song called I Know by Big Daddy Weave. And it's a great song. And uh, it kind of captures this struggle that Paul was talking about when he's talking about all these crazy things that happen in life, these challenges, these difficulties actually can be a good thing because it reminds us of who God is. And we can be reminded as we stay focused on who he is that our current circumstances are not all that important. How we respond to them is very important. And it reminds us that in order to live with Christ, we, or for Christ, we really have to learn to live with Christ. So as we're singing this today, I encourage you to focus on Paul's statement of what it means to live as Christ and to die as gain. So read Philippians chapter two in preparation for next week. And if you would, stand with me. We're gonna pray and then we're going to sing together. So God, what an honor it is for us to be able to read scripture and apply it to our lives. And Lord, it's so amazing to know that uh, there's stuff we're wrestling with today that's recorded in scripture that people wrestled with thousands of years ago. So sometimes we think, oh, the Bible's a little outdated and may not be all that applicable to my life, but that's not true. It's just as applicable today as it ever was. And so, Lord, may we wrestle with what it means to apply this to our lives. Lord, may we turn to you and say, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to apply this? So that I can learn to fulfill my Christian responsibilities. God, thank you that we can remind ourselves of who you are in the midst of chaos, in the midst of trouble, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of temptation. You are right there with us. You love us. You've got a wonderful plan for our lives. And you just ask us to turn to you and learn to practice the with God life. In Jesus name we pray this. Amen.